It's Saturday at 6. It's time for your weekly music and entertainment fix. Backstage with Sinead Nivorda. With all the best music, interviews and live sessions. Live from the Radio Nova studios in the Dublin Docklands. Hello, hello and welcome along to this evening's show. You are backstage with me, Sinead Nivorda on Radio Nova. What a great weekend of live music and festival fun which lies ahead of us. Groove Festival is underway at Kilruddery House in Wicklow. The lineup boasts Irish legends Aslan, Britpop favourites Ocean Colour Scene, original rude boy Neville Staple and his band, the much-loved David Kitt, and you're going to be getting a taste of what to expect from tonight's headliners, The Blades, as frontman Paul Cleary will be joining me on the show today. You'll be getting the lowdown of Don Henley live in Ireland for his first time solo in 16 years. I'll have brilliant new music from PJ Harvey and Bob Dylan is in the live room. Backstage on Radio Nova. The Blades formed back in 1977 and played infamous venues, including the Bagot Inn, where they performed a six-week residency with U2. Many felt that it was the Blades rather than U2 who were tipped for stardom and were actually voted the most promising act in Ireland. From and Paul Cleary beat Van Morrison and Bono to the Best Irish Songwriter Award in a Hot Press national poll. The Blades headlined the main stage at Groove Festival in Kilrudery House in Wicklow tonight. And ahead of their set, frontman Paul Cleary is going to be joining me next on backstage at first... Here is a great song from the Dublin band. This is The Bride Wore White on Radio Nova.
What a great song from the Blades. That's called The Bride Wore White. You're tuned to Radio Nova. I'm Sinead Nivorda. You're about to go backstage with frontman of the Blades. They are headlining Groove Festival tonight. So joining me now ahead of the set is Paul Cleary of the Blades. Paul, thanks so much for joining me backstage today. Now, with the fact that the Blades formed back in 1977, disbanded in 1986, there really seems to have been such a surge in interest in the band since the reformation in 2013. So are you surprised that there is such a continued strong interest in the Blades? Oh, very much so. And, and uh, you know, obviously it's, it's a pleasant surprise. But when I did that, it was the Phil Chevron Memorial. Phil had the great idea, ingenious in a way, to have his own memorial before he actually died, which is great, you know. Oh. And uh, it's typical of him to be, uh, as they might say, thinking outside the box. Mm. Uh, no pun intended. And, she, and uh, so Phil did that. And, and uh, we played in the, I played the Olympia a couple of songs was quite nervous about it, really, because I was playing on my own, but also didn't really know how the audience were going to respond because they weren't there specifically to see me. There were a lot of other acts on the bill that night, and uh, yeah. it was just a great response. And I, w- I was thinking of maybe getting the Blades back, but that really cemented it for me, and uh, I liked the Olympia. I loved the Olympia Theatre. always did. And so I rang up um, uh, the record company, the, the Rikus Records, who, who, who put out our records, and yeah. uh, uh, said to her, Vera, look if she could get in touch with MCD and see where they have the Blades... Uh, uh, around Christmas, you know, around uh, December, and we, we could include what was known as the diaspora, I suppose, in terms of uh, people who live abroad, people of my age group who might come back for Christmas. Yeah. And so uh, she did that, and then MCD said, fine, they, they, they thought we'd, we'd, we'd do well, uh, and we'd fill in Olympia. I, I, you know, I was genuinely, um, I didn't know, I was concerned that, uh, as to whether we would. I really didn't know how many people would remember us and, and would stay with us. But lo and behold, a few weeks later, I got a call to say, right, we filled that night, now they want to do another night, you know? Oh, my God, that was that quick? You know? Wow. That was really, and I, I was genuinely floored by that, so um, uh, so we, we filled two Olympias, and uh, that was in 2013. Since then, of course, we did one in 2014, plus we did uh, an electric picnic. We did Olympia again in 2015, and this year now... Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing this great gig, the, the Groove Festival, which is, which is really building a, a great reputation as being a genuinely good, fun festival, you know. And uh, so I'm uh, really, really, really glad we're doing it, you know. Oh, and you're in great company as well with Aslan, the four of us, and David Kidd also playing tonight. And then tomorrow night, another great lineup. You've got Ocean Colour Scene visiting and the Neville Staple Band, of course, Neville having been with the spe- specials before. So I've spoken to both of the front men of those bands and are very excited about coming over to Ireland. And, you know, I know a lot of bands these days, the important aspect is kind of focused on the live aspect, I guess. Now with everything being in the digital age, people can't really necessarily make money from records anymore. And we were saying you're nervous initially about starting back, getting back on that stage in 2013. So how important for you, what does that whole live music aspect represent for you now today? Well, I suppose, you know, when we started, when most people started, but when we started the band, it was during the punk era. And uh, we really didn't know whether we would be good enough or not to make a record, or whether anyone would be interested in, in asking us to make one. So um, we were a live band. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get up on stage and uh, slash our guitars and, and jump around and make a noise, make a racket. And that was that was our that was our motive, and and uh, that's that's why we did it. The fact that we, <coughs> you know, we we seemed to improve, and, and people started to come to the gigs, and then we got a little record deal here and there, and started to make records. That was all a bonus for us. So it was always live, as far as I'm concerned. Nothing can replicate that feeling of standing on stage and the crowd are there and, you know, they're in good form and they, and they want you to entertain them and, they, you know, and it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's a real mixture of... Uh, it's, a, it's a good feeling, but it's also one 
of uh, anxiousness and anxiety and all that stuff because you really want to do well because you, you never want to let the people down because, you know, it's a cliche, but they pay money for the ticket and they deserve to be entertained, you know. And so we, we always feel there's a responsibility to do that and to do it right. And the one thing that I had in mind when we got this band back together to uh, play that reunion gig the thousand if we kept going and we all agreed, we kind of have to do it right. Like for this gig, we're well rehearsed as we were for all the other gigs and we never take it for granted. And we're still pleased, we're still like a new band, we're still actually pleased and pinching ourselves that, that we're up there now doing it, you know. And of course, bands like Aslan never stopped. And the four of us to a degree, and they're great bands. And uh, mm. it's great, it's a privilege to be on that bill. It's a really strong bill and um, of mostly, mostly Irish acts, you know. And they're, they're, all, they're all very, very good bands, really. They're such great bands, Paul, such sweethearts. And so great to get to see them all on the bill and on the one day. So before I ask you about the Dublin Live Circuit and performing back in the days of McGonagall's and the Baggett Inn, I'm going to take another song now from The Blades. You are backstage with Paul Cleary of The Blades, who headline Groove Festival tonight. And from The Blades, this is Dan Market on Radio Nova.
Music from the Blades and Radio Nova, that is Down Market. Quite the Nova favourite, that. And the Blades headline Groove Festival tonight at Kilrodry House in Wicklow. And frontman Paul Cleary joins you backstage ahead of their set. Now, Paul, uh, just looking back at when the Blades kicked off in the late 70s, it seemed to be a time when Dublin was really thriving with live music. Like, there is such a healthy scene in Dublin, Ireland anyway. But just looking back to that time, I know a lot of different Irish bands have spoken to me about that time. And it was so flourishing. There was such a supportive community network and you had the infamous venues like McGonagall's and the Magnet and Bag It In. So how do you find the whole live Dublin circuit today? Well, you see, I'm slightly, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm not 21 anymore, I'm, <laughs> I'm, to, to say I'm slightly out, out, out of touch would be something of an understatement. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, just from the people I know, even from some from young people in bands, it is more difficult now, for instance, even, to, like, when we used to play, let's say, the Dandelion Market and places like that on Saturday afternoons with you 2 and, and those sort of venues, even though it was only 50 pence in, uh, 50 pence was 50 pence in 1978 or 79, whatever it was, and people were still willing to pay that. Mm-hmm. And the bag of the night, I don't know, it was two or three quid in or something. But I don't think there's, a, there's a, as many people now willing to pay in to see what we would have been then, which is a third or fourth division band, and the band just cutting their teeth. So I think it's very difficult in a way, and uh, I don't think that there's the circus, there's the number of venues, small and dingy as they were, you mentioned a few of them earlier on the interview, um, at least we had those, uh, and if you did reasonably well and you could play your seven, eight, nine songs, you could get a support to one of the bands there. Now admittedly it was good fun, sometimes we didn't, I remember one, one gig, I think it was the steering wheel it was called, and uh, we'd, no, we'd no mic stand, so we actually had to tape... <laughs> the microphones up on the roof of gaffer tape up, up on the ceiling so the mic was swinging swinging above us. No! <laughs> ah, yeah. I mean, that's... Is that where is. Chris Martin got that idea from? Maybe. That, maybe, yeah. That was it. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a band. We, we were supporting a band at the time called Strange Movements who were signed by Terry Hooley of Good Vibrations. I think they were the first band from the South that were signed. And, and when asked why he signed them, he said, because they're the worst band in the world. They weren't, of course. That was typical Terry uh, hyperbole. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, those gigs were great. But, and there was a bit of a circuit. And there was, I suppose, and I, uh, reluctant as I am to use the word, there was a scene, I suppose, in the better comments. The scene, mm-hmm. of course, was new wave punk scene. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was during the time where the, the show band area was sort of... Uh, was coming coming to an end. Certainly, was coming to an end of its huge popularity, and uh, the punk new wave scene was sort of uh, meeting that halfway, and that was the com- coming of age. So it was, it was a real change. There was a real change uh, in Ireland in terms of music. The Boomtown Rats were at the vanguard. Of course, they'd already gone to England. I think by the time we really started playing uh, venues and stuff. But um, you know, there's the Boomtown Rats and the Radiators. They were one of the first. They were the first two. The Vipers, you two, ourselves, and so on. And so all of those bands felt part of a movement, even though the music in each individual band was very different. We were, all still, we were still coming from the same mindset, if you like, that we wanted to uh, get rid of what was and we wanted to be what, what, was, what was going to be, I suppose, you know? No, oh, it's amazing. You had that kind of insight into you knew there was something happening, as you're saying, it was the end of the showban era, something special was taking off. And it's not like it was quite, a, you know, a great supportive scene at the time. I mean, I guess there is kind of a supportive scene at the moment, but in terms of those enthusiastic venues, as you mentioned, there's not so many of those anymore. It's all about getting the support slot. But I know there's a lot more homegrown festivals that are starting yeah. to really champion their own home uh, talent, which is great. But listen, Paul Clear the Blades, thank you so much for joining me today and, and uh, have a great set later on at Groove festival. Thanks, Sinead. Really looking forward to it. See you later. See you later. Bye. 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 Backstage on Radio Nova.
Yet to join backstage will be Tony Ains, co-presenter of the Friday Night Rock Show, as he got to see Don Henley live in Ireland solo for the first time in 16 years when he played live in the Marquee in Cork on Wednesday night. So be hearing his report of the gig. I have yet to play the brilliant new one from PJ Harvey, but first I'm going to play one from Elvo, as Conor Irwin of Radio Nova will have the latest in music news, and one of the news stories is concerning this amazing band. So from Elvo... This is Grounds for Divorce on Radio Nova.
music news update. And to bring you up to date on all the latest in music news is Connor Irwin of Radio Nova. Connor, thanks for joining me this evening. So before you tell us the good news, so before you tell us the news regarding Elbow, you're going to start off with a story regarding Spotify. Hey Sinead, yeah, this week I thought we'd do a couple of tech stories. The first one up is a bit of a row, actually. It's Spotify. They're claiming that Apple has rejected an update for their iPhone app to stop it competing with Apple Music. The Swedish streaming company's latest version of its iOS was blocked by Apple for violating its business model rules. Spotify wants to basically implement its own subscription service to stop Apple taking the 30% monthly cut. All app developers apparently have to sign up to that and Apple gets 30% sent uh, per month of any subscriptions. In a letter sent to Apple's top lawyer, Spotify says the rules exclude and diminish the competitiveness of Spotify on iOS and as a rival to Apple Music. We cannot stand by as Apple uses the App Store approval process as a weapon to harm competitors. So it's going to be very interesting to see if that one runs and runs. Yeah, well indeed, Connor. Keep us posted on that one. Now, Don Henley made news headlines this week when he announced the ban of smartphones at his shows. And it seems that Apple are jumping on the bandwagon too. If we were given out about Apple in that last story, let's give them a little bit of credit for this one because I know this is a bugbear of both you and I, Sinead. It's so commonplace now. You go to a gig and people have their phones up, they're recording the gig for whatever reason they're doing it for. They're uploading it to Facebook, they're taking photographs, selfies and putting them on Snapchat. Just enjoy the gig. But anyway, Apple, they have uh, put this patent out there and basically the story is that for their new phones, apparently what will happen is they're going to have the ability to disable a phone's camera and video settings via infrared technology. So, if I've read it correctly, and I think I possibly have not, but, you know, the general gist, at a gig, they fire out this infrared signal. Anyone with this new iPhone, yada yada, gets the signal, and it switches off the camera and the video settings. So no more selfies and videoing stuff. And, you know, I guess it's to combat piracy and uploading of unofficial video. But it'll also be nice to see that people won't be just using their phones at gigs and they might actually enjoy the music. Well, exactly. I thought Don Henley was dead right in banning the use of smartphones at his shows in Ireland this week. And we'll be hearing more on that from a man who got to see him live in Cork, Radio Nova's Tony Ainscoe. But, uh, Connor, back to the Elbow News. We have been enjoying Elbow Frontman Guy Garvey brilliant new single Open the Door but I do believe that you've news regarding new elbow material you're out there Connor do you manage to take a deep breath for yourself there sorry yes I've calmed down now moving on Guy Garvey has revealed that the seventh studio album from Elbow is set to be released in the spring he's promoting his recent solo project uh, sharing the single Open the Door back in May and uh, he previously called a solo backing band his favourite musicians outside of Elbow but uh, he's been speaking about the new Elbow album they say uh, he says rather they're half way through the album they're hoping to release it next year and it's sounding great they're hardly going to say anything else and it usually does Uh, we're hoping to have it out maybe February March of next year so great news from the guys in Elbow and from Guy Garvey we'll hopefully be hearing from them soon new material from Elbow very exciting Connor Irwin of Radio Nova thank you so much for joining me on the show today chat to you later yet to come on backstage Tony Ainscoe of the Friday Night Rock Show be telling us all about Don Henley live in the marquee in Cork I've got a great live one from Bob Dylan but up next it's a brilliant new one from PJ Harvey this is Radio Nova backstage on Radio Nova